to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Headaches and migraines. Most of us have experienced at least one or the other at some point and know just how miserable they can be. It's likely, too, that you've noticed a connection between headache or migraine symptoms and your hormonal shifts, and you'd be exactly right. Hormonal shifts can be a huge trigger, as I'm going to show you. Cyclic and life cycle-related hormone changes are why headaches are far more common in women, with migraines three times as common in women as they are in men. It also explains why for many women, they first show up when we first start getting our periods or in our late teens or early 20s and drop by 50% or even disappear completely after menopause. Unfortunately, many doctors don't take women's reports about our headaches and migraines seriously. In fact, there's a long history of medical, racial, and gender bias that's led to doctors denying women's headaches and migraine experiences. In one study of over 1,200 individuals seeking care for headache from a primary care provider, researchers found that 94% of the 377 patients who turned in a headache diary met criteria for migraines, but at least 25% did not receive a diagnosis of migraine. Black women, due to systemic racism and the institutionalized beliefs that black women don't feel as much pain, can just handle it, or are drug-seeking, are routinely and systematically undertreated for pain, including migraines. If you're interested in learning more about gender and racial bias in women's pain, and in migraines specifically, check out the fascinating conversation I had with Joanna Kempner, PhD, author of Not Tonight, Migraine and the Politics of Gender and Health on Natural MD Radio. And if you feel your doctor isn't taking your symptoms seriously, it's time for an honest conversation or perhaps even a breakup, so you can get the care you deserve. Women are too often told by doctors that our hormone-related symptoms are not significant, that they're just normal, or that we're overreacting. In other words, that it's all in our heads. But hormonal headaches are not just all in your head. Migraines are actually described in the medical literature as one of the most common disabling gynecologic conditions, and menstruation as one of the most potent migraine triggers. Further, even if you are given a prescription for your headaches or migraines, they don't always work as you'll soon learn. Many may actually become a headache trigger and they can carry side effects that can be anything from unpleasant to serious. The bottom line is that your hormonal life should never have you in chronic or even regular discomfort. I'm not opposed in any way to helpful pharmaceuticals, but I do believe it's important to be informed and empowered about a broader range of options than most doctors know, to reduce and prevent symptoms naturally whenever possible, to try to get to their root causes that lead to symptoms, and avoid medications that may sometimes be doing more harm than good. So I'm going to break down what you need to know about hormonal headaches and migraines, including what causes them and how to prevent them from recurring. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram, and welcome to Natural MD Radio. Menstrual cycle headaches and migraines. Two types of headaches most commonly occur during our menstrual cycles, tension headaches and migraines. 
Tension headaches typically feel as if there's a pressure band wrapped around your head or like a pulsing in your temples or behind your eyes. And most women commonly experience them before their period starts, but they might not have a uniquely hormonal cause and can be due to other common headache causes that occur coincidentally around your period, especially if your period's a stressful time for you in general. Menstrual migraines, on the other hand, have a well-established hormonal basis. If you're a migraine sufferer in general, unfortunately, you're more predisposed to having hormonally triggered ones too. As many as 70% of women migraineurs, as you're called, experience a menstrual association. Don't you feel lucky? However, it is possible to have only menstrual migraines. These are called pure menstrual migraines and not have them otherwise. Here are some of the known or suspected links between our cycles and migraines. Estrogen decline and dragging serotonin. During the first half of the menstrual cycle, your estrogen level rises in order to thicken the uterine lining, creating a rich nourishing bed for an embryo should pregnancy occur. Just after ovulation, if pregnancy doesn't occur, Estrogen rapidly declines, reaching its lowest level just before your period starts. This drop in estrogen during your period may trigger a headache and is a proven migraine trigger. Along with this decline in estrogen, there's a decline in the neurotransmitter serotonin, which relies on estrogen for its production. This drop in serotonin is thought to be a major contributor to hormonal migraines, leading to more sensitization of the meningeal nerves, the nerves in your nervous system, as well as the release of something called substance P, which causes blood vessels in the brain to dilate, causing migraine pain. We also have a lower threshold of pain before our periods. Estrogen also regulates pain through chemicals in the brain and body called endorphins or enkephalins. When estrogens are high, the brain is more efficient at responding to pain by releasing these, which dulls signal pains received by the brain. But when estrogen levels are low, the brain doesn't intercept these pain signals as effectively, which is why everything hurts more before our periods, including headaches and migraines. Menstrual migraines tend to be more severe, last longer, and are less responsive to usual medication therapies as a result. Another hormonal trigger of menstrual cycle-related migraines is the estrogen-histamine connection. Histamine is released from immune cells called mast cells in response to getting exposed to allergic triggers and certain toxins. This can cause a whole host of generalized symptoms from headaches, anxiety, and insomnia to abdominal pain and diarrhea, dizziness, hives, and eczema, to name just a few that you might be familiar with if you suffer from allergies but these symptoms are also commonly increased during our cycles, especially close to our periods. Loose stools before our periods, migraines, or a flare of eczema are common examples. What's the connection? Histamine isn't just involved in immunity, but also neurologic and hormonal functions, and it's intimately tied to reproductive functions, becoming particularly active around ovulation, and our periods. It's tied to estrogen production, which in turn stimulates mast cells to release more histamine. At the same time, estrogen reduces the production of a naturally occurring enzyme in our blood, DAO, which clears the histamine. Histamine in turn 
stimulates the ovaries to produce more estrogen. So there's a cycle of increasing estrogen, increasing histamine that occurs after ovulation and premenstrually, and for many women, may be a trigger and vicious cycle of headaches and migraines. For some women, even the decline in estrogen that occurs right after ovulation is enough to trigger a headache or migraine, and some women experience them both at ovulation and premenstrually, not fun at all. If your hormones are generally in healthy ranges, you may be less likely to experience headaches and migraines, but some women may also be producing less serotonin due to low-carbohydrate diets, stress, or even a genetic predisposition, which is more likely if you suffer from migraines and menstrual migraines. Of course, anything that's already connected to causing headaches, like too much caffeine or sugar, not enough sleep, loud noises, and it bears repeating, stress are all factors. So as tempting as it might be, we can't just blame it on our moms and our genes. It's complex, multifactorial, and requires a whole woman approach. Most experts agree that migraines are not simply a hormonal problem. They're the result of the brain's reaction to a complex set of interactions between hormones, genetics, and environmental factors. And since not all women experience them, one's internal environment, levels of inflammation, genetics, gut health, and other factors influence estrogen levels and how the brain responds. That's why in my practice, I always take a whole woman approach to healing. Now, it's not just menstrual cycles that can trigger migraines. Other aspects of where we are in our life cycles can play a major role in headaches and migraines too. During pregnancy, for example, your estrogen levels soar, and most women actually see as a result an improvement in headaches and migraines. But right after pregnancy ends, that high estrogen level plummets, and for some women, this leads to hormonally triggered headaches or migraines after giving birth, a miscarriage, or an abortion. In fact, headaches and migraines during these tender times are relatively common. As many as one in four women will experience a migraine in the first two weeks after giving birth, and 50% will get a migraine within the first month. For new moms, besides being Besides experiencing a dramatic drop in estrogen, missing out on sleep, stress, and anxiety add yet more levels to possible triggers. If you're already prone to headaches and migraines, using the tips that I'm sharing with you later in this episode can prevent these and at least be one unwelcome post-pregnancy challenge that you don't have to experience. Most women who experience migraines will have their onset long before we reach our 40s. And most women who have experienced migraines during their lives will actually have them stop or at least drop dramatically once we've gotten into menopause, which is defined as having no period for one year, which for most women occurs around the age of 52. But in our 40s and into our early 50s, As our estrogen levels naturally begin to fluctuate and eventually decline, we may experience a wide range of new sensations and symptoms, including sleep loss, vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and night sweats. This time can also lead to a new onset of migraines or if you've already experienced them throughout your life, an exacerbation. These can can persist for a few years even after your last period. 
showing up cyclically at the time when you've been premenstrual as your hormones continue to ebb and flow. You may choose to use hormone therapy if your perimenopausal symptoms are quite troubling or medications for occasional headaches or migraines, but the strategies I'm going to share with you in just a little while can also help you until these migraines naturally disappear on your own. While some women experience relief from cyclic headaches if they take an estrogen-containing form of the pill, some actually experience headaches from the pill. This may be more common if you're taking an estrogen-containing oral contraceptive with a placebo week. In this case, you're on the hormone-containing pills for three weeks, followed by one week of inactive or placebo pills. During this time, when you're on the placebo pill, you'll experience a drop-off in estrogen that, for all the same reasons I've already discussed, can trigger headaches or migraines. These are called estrogen withdrawal headaches. To avoid this, you have to either skip the placebo and stay on a steady dose all month, and then you won't get your period either, or take a progestin-only pill. Similarly, if you've missed an active pill or you decide to discontinue hormonal birth control completely, you've got it. Your estrogen levels will plummet and it's headache or migraine city for some women until your hormones start to level off naturally. As the pill can increase some risks of stroke, if you experience migraines for the first time after starting the pill, it's critical to stop the pill and contact your healthcare provider and make sure your concerns are taken seriously. Migraines with aura are a contradiction to using hormonal birth control due to the risks of stroke. If you do decide to come off the pill naturally because you're just wanting to try a natural form of contraception, you're ready to get pregnant, or for another reason you just don't want to be on hormonal contraception, I have a blog and a podcast over at avivaram.com, my website, that you can listen to on how to transition off the pill. And I also link to that and all of what I'm talking with you about in today's episode over at avivaram.com forward slash 131. That's the number 131. I never want you to have to do the work of heavy lifting and memorize everything I'm sharing with you. So when it's an instructional podcast episode like this one, I've always got a corresponding article for you over at my website. So you can get all the details all the doses for supplements I share, and never have to worry about keeping it all in your head. You've always got a place to refer back to. So for this episode, it's avivaram.com forward slash 131. That's the number 131, and that's for Natural MD Radio episode 131. Okay, so coming off of the pill, or missing doses or being on that placebo week can cause symptoms, so can coming off of estrogen replacement therapy, or ERT, which is hormone replacement therapy that's estrogen-based. ERT is used to keep menopausal symptoms like the ones I mentioned, hot flashes and vaginal dryness at bay, but it can trigger headaches or migraines, especially if you stop suddenly. So weaning yourself off of ERT gradually over about six weeks can help circumvent this. So can using the same supportive strategies that I talk about in my article and podcast about coming off of the pill. 
So let's talk about the six steps you can use for preventing hormonal headaches and migraines naturally. You know it if you experience them. Hormonal headaches and especially migraines can make you feel miserable and they can really take you out of experiencing sometimes days or weeks of your life every month. They also have a lot of complex causes, including our hormones. Fortunately, there's a lot you can do to prevent them, reduce their frequency and treat them by reducing their severity and your need for medication. And in my practice, I have seen women become migraine and headache-free altogether. I do recommend giving this plan at least three months and using the six steps I describe in, in a minute simultaneously. You don't have to use all of the supplements, though. You can just follow the dietary changes and the lifestyle changes like stress reduction and pick two to three of the supplements and one or two of the herbs to support your journey to overcome migraines. And after three months, if you're not getting the results that you want, you can add in or swap out some of the supplements you haven't tried and some of the herbs you haven't tried. And again, remember, you don't have to memorize all of these doses. They're on the article in the blog over at avivaram.com forward slash 131. Step one is to identify your triggers using a headache journal. As you're getting started on treating your headaches and migraines, even if you're going to do a medication route, a headache journal is a fabulous first step in identifying headache and migraine triggers so you can sort out what's hormonal and what's something else you might be exposed to that sets off your symptoms. Pay attention to when the headaches and migraines occur, what you were doing in the 24 hours before. Notice your foods, for example. Did you eat at a Chinese restaurant? Did you eat a lot of sugar? Did you get dehydrated? Notice environmental triggers that you might be exposed to. I'm going to give you a list of those that are really commonly known to cause migraines in just a minute. Pay attention to stress and look for other triggers and write these down in a journal. When you start writing down when you're experiencing your headaches and migraines, you're very likely to notice patterns. You might discover that they're cyclical and your hormones are the biggest factor that's triggering them. But you may also notice that you're having a couple of extra glasses of red wine just before your period or now that you're in perimenopause. And that's what's really setting your headaches or migraines off. With headaches, we can often pinpoint the cause pretty readily. Too much caffeine, not drinking enough water, having one glass of wine too many the night before, a stiff neck, stress, or not getting enough sleep. The throbbing feeling in your temples or behind your eyes or the feeling that you're wearing a vice grip for a hat can make it really hard to function. Known migraine triggers, which may be a little less obvious for some of you, include some of the same triggers that can trigger headaches and may or may not be concurrent with hormone changes. And these include, and these are the known kind of proven migraine triggers, caffeine, red wine or other alcohol, aged cheese, sugar, nitrites found in hot dogs and deli meats, food additives like MSG, low blood sugar, stress, neck and shoulder tension, certain medications, including some headache medications, perfume and other strong odors, bright lights, and travel. As you identify headache or migraine triggers, remove them and track during your next cycle 
or for a month or six weeks or so if you're not cycling to see if the changes you made made a difference or not in whether you have further migraines or headaches and how severe they are. A really surprising trigger can be your headache or migraine medications. Yep, you heard that right. While medications can certainly nip a nasty headache in the bud, most people don't know this, but there's a phenomenon called medication overuse headache, or MOH, or MO. When you take pain medications for headaches, including Tylenol, aspirin, caffeine, ibuprofen, or opioids on a regular basis, and even tryptans for more than 10 days a month, these medications actually start to cause headaches and make your headache and migraine frequency and severity worse, creating a vicious cycle where you take more and more of the meds thinking they're not working, but that's actually what's causing the problem and you're making the problem worse. So as crazy and scary as this might seem to you to try, stop all of your pain medications for a few months. You might be surprised to find that you are actually having fewer headaches. And what's really also important to know is that even if you're taking those pain medications for something else and not for headaches or migraines, those can still cause headaches or migraines. Step two is to balance your estrogen levels. While our estrogen levels naturally fluctuate throughout our monthly and life cycles, many women experience estrogen extremes, either too low or too high. While I'll be sharing additional articles soon on estrogen balance, here are the big things to look out for and do. Low estrogen is most commonly caused by being undernourished or underweight. This is very common for high-intensity athletes including dancers, runners, and even avid yoga practitioners, and also women on restrictive diets, which can sometimes be misinterpreted as extremely healthy diets. At the extreme, you might not be ovulating or having cycles at all, but if you are and are experiencing headache or migraines, reducing your exercise intensity or increasing your food intake is really important to achieve estrogen balance. If you experience high estrogen levels, sometimes called estrogen dominance, You may also experience heavy periods, cyclic breast tenderness, mood swings, bloating, and other estrogen-related symptoms. A lot of estrogen excess comes from either our diets, which are contributing hormones from the environment like we find in meat or in dairy, or from exposure to environmental estrogens that we find in things like plastics that we get from our food packaging or our water bottle, or components that are in things like cosmetics that act like estrogens in our body. Eliminating those exposures from your lifestyle and from your environment is a really important step in reducing estrogen levels from these what are called exogenous estrogens. Switching to a Mediterranean-style diet that emphasizes legumes, eight servings of fruits and vegetables daily, fiber, and plenty of leafy green vegetables while also supporting healthy daily bowel elimination and good gut flora are amongst the most important steps to help restore estrogen levels. And you can use food as medicine, as I'm going to talk with you about in just a few minutes, to get you started on estrogen balance, but more to come on that in upcoming episodes. Step three is to de-stress. I know it's so easy to say, but stress, anxiety, and depression make us more susceptible to headaches and migraines premenstrually and at other times in our lives. 
The fact that women experience more stress, including hidden stress, than men doesn't help us out at all. Just a few examples are sexual harassment and domestic abuse. These things can cause headaches amongst other symptoms. Reducing or getting help with any stressors that you can and reducing modifiable other stress in your life is a really important step in reducing your headaches. Additionally, developing coping and relaxation strategies from meditation and yoga to taking needed downtime and sleep time because fatigue is a major headache and migraine contributor to getting help with cognitive behavioral therapy and other forms of therapy can all help. They can also help to balance your hormones in general, which can be disrupted by stress. Neck tension has become especially common due to chronic sitting and use of electronic devices. We've become so used to holding tension in our neck and shoulders that we even just think it's normal. We don't even recognize it sometimes. When you're sitting at the computer, be mindful of your posture to minimize the stress you're putting on your neck and shoulders. Stretching or moving through gentle yoga poses either each morning, evening, or even during a midday break can help alleviate tension in these areas. Regular massage may also help, but if you have a history of headaches or migraines, your insurance may actually cover them. Just make sure that when you book your appointment, you're booking a medical massage and check with your insurance carrier first. If your insurance carrier doesn't cover massage therapy, it likely will cover physical therapy sessions, which can be super helpful. Your primary care provider can give you a prescription for a weekly session or more if needed. Also, try lavender or essential lavender or peppermint essential oil aromatherapy. At least one study shows that even simply breathing in lavender scent for about 15 minutes can help ease a migraine. An approach I use in my practice is to have my patients apply two to three drops of either lavender essential oil to their temples or a few drops onto their wrist. While you can safely use an undiluted essential oil in this few drop amount, I prefer to dilute a few drops of essential oil in a teaspoon of a carrier oil like almond oil and then apply that mix. It just can be a little bit less irritating if you're sensitive. A warm bath with five to seven drops of straight essential lavender oil can work wonders. It can also help your sleep. Peppermint oil applied to the temples, also slightly diluted, can be effective as well. One study found that a drop applied to the temples, which would be straight um, peppermint oil, which is fine if you use just a tiny amount and you're not too sensitive, but one drop applied to the temples can relieve migraine pain in as short as 30 minutes. And these are safe for use in pregnancy and while breastfeeding. Step four is to use food as medicine. There are several ways that making some tweaks to your eating habits can help prevent headaches, and migraines. First is to switch to an anti-inflammatory diet. Reducing the pro-inflammatory foods in your diet, particularly sugar, red meat and poultry, and processed foods, while adding antioxidant-rich fruits and vegetables and good quality oils to your diet can reduce your headache frequency. If you struggle with inflammation or blood sugar problems, read my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, to help you learn to cool down the heat and keep your blood sugar steady. And you can also learn to reverse stress and improve your sleep with my book as well. Fiber plays a really important and direct role in hormone balance because it helps to regulate estrogen levels. 
Many of my patients also who suffer from regular headaches and migraines also struggle with constipation. And I have found that helping them relieve the constipation itself has hit the brakes on migraines and headaches. A good goal is to aim to get about 35 grams of fiber a day. If you're not there yet, and keep in mind the average American only gets about 15 grams a day, work your way up slowly by adding more fruits and vegetables, nuts, beans, and whole grains to your diet. Also, two tablespoons of flax seeds a day is about 25 to 30 grams of fiber. So that can really be helpful and it can especially help balance estrogen and relieve constipation. Additionally, leafy greens like kale, collards, broccoli, and the cabbages, those are vegetables in the brassicaceae or cruciferous family, also provide important fiber, but specifically help to regulate your hormones, especially estrogen. You can also use food to keep your serotonin levels steadier. Remember, I talked about serotonin earlier and how it can get tanked when estrogen drops cyclically or at different points in your life cycle and contribute to migraines. So if you can keep your serotonin levels steadier, that can help prevent hormonal headaches and migraines. For all women, carbohydrate restriction can play a role in low serotonin because like estrogen provides building blocks for serotonin, so do carbohydrates. So make sure that particularly if you're struggling with headaches and migraines, don't restrict your carb intake. The key though is to increasing your intake of complex carbohydrates like oats, brown rice, beans, and especially do this before your period if you experience premenstrual headaches or migraines or even PMS. It's going to do the blood vessels in your brain a big favor. Finally, when it comes to food and menstrual headaches and migraines, it's possible that you're experiencing histamine hormone headaches. And I talk about that in another episode and also an article about histamine intolerance. So check that out if you also struggle with hives, eczema, loose stools before your cycles, or if you try these steps that I'm talking about for three months and you're just not getting relief, trying a low histamine diet can be really helpful. Step five is to add in migraine-relieving nutritional supplements. Besides food, there are also dietary supplements that have been found to relieve headaches and migraines, and these are my go-to supplements. Remember, you don't have to memorize these. You can find them over at avivaram.com forward slash 131. So the first is riboflavin or vitamin B2. Riboflavin has been shown to safely prevent recurrent migraines by 50% compared to 15% for placebo. That's a lot of benefit. Its benefits are a result of increased efficiency of something called mitochondria, which if you remember from high school or college biology, those are the powerhouses of the cell. Decreased mitochondrial function is an under-recognized contributor to migraines. It may take about a month or so to notice results, but hang in there. It's often very effective. If you're on a beta blocker for migraine prevention, riboflavin has also been shown to enhance the benefits, so it may allow you to lower your dose or better yet, get off the medication, or if you need to stay on it, get better results from the dose of it that you're taking. Riboflavin can also be used in pregnancy, and it's in fact considered a migraine prevention of choice when you are pregnant, and the dose is 400 milligrams a day. Magnesium, also safe while you're pregnant and breastfeeding, 
can help prevent migraines generally and may be especially helpful in preventing those that are associated with your period, to which I say hallelujah. It's also been shown to reduce migraine severity. According to the Migraine Foundation, daily doses of 400 to 500 milligrams of magnesium may help prevent migraines in some people. They say it's especially effective for migraines related to menstruation and those accompanying with accompanying migraine aura or visual changes. It can take as long as three months to see results, so hang in there with this one too. Another study found that 600 milligrams a day might prevent migraines, and that's the dose that I most commonly use. Calcium, in addition to its benefits on the bones, 500 milligrams a day has been shown to prevent and reduce PMS symptoms, including headaches, cramping, moodiness, and food cravings by about 50%. And finally, when it comes to migraines and supplements, B vitamins have been found to be helpful. So not only vitamin B2 or riboflavin, but a combo cocktail that contains B6 at 25 milligrams, B12 at 400 milligrams, and folic acid at 2 milligrams has been shown to reduce migraine-related impairment in 50% of migraine sufferers, but it's after six months of daily use, and it's thought to be due to a reduction in amino acids, particularly an amino acid called histamine, which is irritating to the blood vessels and can contribute to migraines. Now, one thing to note is that High histamine can be a result of low vitamin, uh, low folic acid or low folate, and may be especially problematic with people who have the MTHFR gene variation. So, if you're not sure what that is, and you wonder if you might want to check that out more or think that might be a contributor for you, I have a podcast and an article called MTHFR WTF Is It? Simply taking methylfolate as your form of folic acid will bypass that MTHFR problem. So when you take folic acid, make sure that it's in the methylfolate form and you're good to go. If you're pregnant and trying to take these supplements to prevent postpartum migraines, or if you tend to have been a migraine sufferer and are concerned about that, then don't take more than one milligram of methylfolate um, daily when you're pregnant. The last step or step six is to try proven herbal therapies for migraines and headaches. Several herbal medicines have been found to play a powerful role in hormone regulation as well as headache and migraine pain reduction and these are my top choices. Ginger is always my first go-to for pain. Traditionally used to treat pain and inflammation, it can help nip migraine in the bud. A study of 100 migraine sufferers um, who were taking um, sumatriptan or ginger found that the ginger powder taking 250 milligrams within an, uh, about an hour of onset of the migraines equally decreased the severity of attacks within two hours to the sumatriptan. And here's the thing, both groups got equal results, but sumatriptan has far more side effects. So it not only helped with the ginger to reduce the migraines, but it also helped to reduce migraine-associated symptoms like nausea. The dose is up to 2 grams a day, and up to 1 gram a day is safe for use during pregnancy, and it's totally safe while you're breastfeeding. Curcumin is another one of my go-tos. 
Several small studies suggest curcumin, which is an active ingredient in the herb turmeric, may reduce migraine frequency, pain severity, and how long the migraines last, their duration. A 2018 study found that people who took a combination of omega-3 fatty acids and curcumin had fewer and less severe migraine attacks over two months than they usually did, while a 2019 study found that individuals taking a combination of curcumin and coenzyme CoQ10, which also acts on those mitochondria, reported a reduction in headache days, severity, and duration. Curcumin is valued for its anti-inflammatory effects, but it also may have some anxiety-relieving effects. So if you think anxiety is contributing to your headaches or migraines, that's another plus. It's also quite safe, and it's one of those herbs that I rely on frequently in my practice. It's safe while breastfeeding, but it's not proven safe during pregnancy, so I don't recommend it if you're pregnant. A typical dose is 500 milligrams twice daily, but the dose depends on the variety or type of preparation that you're using. Curcumin is prepared in a different number of different ways to make it more bioavailable. So with curcumin, follow the dose that's on the package. Vitex, or chaseberry, is not just valuable as a PMS remedy, although it is one of our most valuable PMS remedies. Vitex can also lead to overall steadier estrogen levels and in doing so may prevent menstrual migraines. The dose is 180 to 220 milligrams daily in capsule once or twice a day or five milliliters, which is about one measured teaspoon of the liquid extract daily. Again, remember the doses are all written out for you at avivaram.com forward slash 131 if you haven't written that down yet. Feverfew is another herb that is a natural anti-inflammatory. It prevents both migraines and reduces migraine severity with five substantial studies supporting its use. If you're on blood thinners, this one is not for you. And also, this one is not for you if you're pregnant, though you can use it during breastfeeding. Similarly, the Vitex is best to, you can use it while you're pregnant, but there are other better choices that have better safety track record with pregnancy. So unless you're using Vitex for other reasons in pregnancy, like to prevent miscarriage, I don't really recommend it during pregnancy, Um, but you can use it while you're breastfeeding. Very high doses may inhibit breast milk production. At this dose, it should be totally fine. But I generally recommend with breastfeeding, again, unless there's another reason you're using Vitex, go ahead and pass on that one. Stick with the ginger, stick with the curcumin, and the nutritional supplements that I recommended. Again, you can use fever for you while you're breastfeeding, but not while you're pregnant. Last but not least, with the herbs for prevention of migraine is one called butterbur. It's also called petasites. This herb has been used for over a thousand years, and it's a respected anti-inflammatory, which can be used preventatively to reduce migraine frequency. It may take several months, like many of these, before you notice improvement, so don't give up and give it a try. A 2012 study on evidence-based therapies for migraine included this herb as effective for migraine prevention as part of the strategies that were recommended um, when taken as 50 to 75 milligram doses daily. Now it's really important to purchase products only that say PA free on the label. That means they've had a chemical that is naturally occurring in pedicytes or butterbur that can cause some liver problems removed. Butterbur, pedicytes, again, even the PA free, not appropriate at all for use during pregnancy, but you can use this while you're breastfeeding. So I just want to reiterate, as you've heard, 
A lot of these say effective after one month, two months, three months. So you have to give these things a little time. It's not like a pharmaceutical where it's wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. If you get results, you're going to get them pretty quickly. The other thing is that using these herbs and nutritional supplements does not preclude using your conventional therapy. So if you're trying to prevent migraines and it's going to take maybe two months to see the effects of supplements, you can still use your triptan medication preventatively or abortatively if you need to. You can still use ibuprofen or Tylenol on the spot if you need to. So keep in mind it's not either or. You can find that best balance for you that's most effective and really gives you the relief you need while working toward these deeper root solutions like diet, stress reduction, and hormone balance that hopefully over time will make you more, more at least migraine um, less susceptible, if not completely migraine-free. So what is the next step? Well, I hope for you it is a migraine and a headache-free life. What's clear is that our hormonal headaches do need to be taken more seriously. There's a reason we get more headaches and migraines than men, but suffering with them just because we're women or because of our hormones is not an acceptable answer, nor is trying one medication after another if they're not working for you. I hope that you do see now that your headaches and migraines are not just in your head, even if stress is contributing to them, that's affecting you physically and hormonally and in your neurotransmitters as well. And that there are natural approaches that might help you turn things around so you can start to be your own healer and hopefully live your life hormone and headache free. Again, this is Dr. Aviva Ram. I hope this episode has been helpful, informative, supportive, that you feel like you have some solutions that you can use to take back your health, enjoy your cycles, enjoy your life more and feel really good about the choices that you're making. I look forward to seeing you next week on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.